And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. And on Instagram at Monkeys Fighting Robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 72nd episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today will be another jam-packed episode. I probably need to come up with new adjectives because jam-packed is what we do all the time. EJ and I are talking about Game of Thrones, the premiere. Keanu, a super funny comedy that's kind of serious. And our wildcard segment. I'm your host, Matt Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic, EJ Marino. EJ, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing amazing. Still trying to recover from the ridiculous HBO weekend I had, with Saturday being Beyonce's Lemonade, and Sunday being the ridiculous Game of Thrones premiere. It's been a, it's been a good week, actually. And then I had a glitter-related incident. Very Just giving people an insight, I had a piece of glitter stuck in my eye, I think. Only me. Only me could have a glitter injury. Did you go to a rave this weekend? Oh, no, no. It's like arts and crafting in my house glitter injury. No, see, it's not even a cool, like, rave injury. It's basically just sitting at home trying to make things, and bam, my eyes inflamed with this just tiny little piece of glitter in it. I didn't click on the article, but I saw kind of like a hot rumor about the Beyonce lemonade mm-hmm. stand that she put out on HBO this weekend. <laughs> That's a, that's a great, yeah, it's basically Beyonce's lemonade stand. Somebody said that the lyrics in her music made it sound like Beyonce, not Beyonce, that Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. Oh, it it's basically, I, I think it's a, it's a character she's created and it's basically this whole performance art album. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, like an album, like a themed album. So, but it does sound very angry and a little personal. So, I do think it's, I think he's cheated once and she said, this is the only time you'll ever have. I am Beyonce, you're Jay-Z, check yourself. Um, But it's also very angry. Uh, She's threatening girls named Becky and scalping, basically. She's, she's gone crazy. I loved it. What did Becky do now? I don't know. She, she called some girl Becky and then every other rapper is basically like Iggy Azalea was pissed because she generalized white people as Becky. It's it it's been drama, but Beyonce's really good at that. Beyonce's the female Kanye, where she knows how to do one thing, drop a big bomb, and then step away from it and let everyone else go crazy. This is where I don't I, I feel like you're not giving Beyonce enough credit because Kanye, as business savvy as he is, I still feel like he's dumb as a rock. Um he uh, he needs a better filter. I think what's in his brain is great, but what comes out is not. So Beyonce is way better at that. And I think through her art medium is way better at that as well. She knows how to shock and get people talking without doing too much. Not to call her lazy, but she doesn't do a lot. She just dropped this thing out of nowhere and people went crazy. I just, I respect it. Nobody's saying that Kanye is in the Illuminati. Well, yeah, no one wants Kanye in any of their clubs, so the Illuminati <laughs> would not want Kanye in their club. All right, let's take care of some business before we start this podcast. Monkeys Fighting Robots will be at Megacon in Orlando, May 26th through 29th. We have a contest coming together. EJ and I had a super powwow session yesterday, and, and we're getting ready to reveal it. We're pretty excited. It's going to involve cosplay. All you cosplayers out there, keep an ear to the ground or social media, however way you stay in touch with Monkeys Fighting Robots. We're going to have some exclusive prints. We're definitely going to take some cosplay photography and videos there. I put in my list of interviews that that I would like to interview at Megacon, so I'm pretty excited about that. We'll hear back who we're going to be interviewing, and and we'll ask for fan interaction for questions and all that fun stuff. 
So MegaCon is just going to be huge, and all the stuff for the booth is going to start coming in big time. Mark it on your calendars. Go to Orlando, May 26th through 29th. Go to MegaCon, see your booth. It's going to be great. If you're going to come to MegaCon, you got to be wearing the Monkeys Fighting Robot swag. We teamed up with Redbubble, and I've already ordered some of these shirts, and they're super comfortable, super soft, like American Apparel, but without the pornographic images. That's that's what our, our shirts are like. They're very comfortable. Go to our website. There's a link on the page. Get the Monkeys Fighting Robot swag. Like I said, amazing quality of shirts. We have more than shirts. We have stickers, throw pillows. Throw pillows. Who wants a, a robot throw pillow? I do. That's what I want. Uh, we have phone cases, bags, kids' clothes. But apparently we have no pornography. I was not informed when we signed up that there was going to be no Monkey Fighting Robots pornography swag on Redbubble. I'm a little upset, but throw pillows. Throw pillows. I mean, you've seen our stock image models. <laughs> I mean, they're they're very attractive, but they're not American Apparel no, no, stock no. image models. They're not like, here, look at my shirt, but this is a girl in a thong. Ignore the thong, but look at this shirt. No, we have nice, our stock, I, I told you last week, our stock model is my favorite model ever, so. <laughs> Do we have a question this week? Yeah, we got a question this week from Zachary Peak on Twitter. It's the underscore lazy genius um, underscore. Well, it will we'll properly do you in the uh, in the post for this. But no, but asks, nobody nobody's doing Zach, by the way. Okay, just, no, just, no. <laughs> but we're properly, uh, you know, give you your Twitter handle on on the SoundCloud page. We'll give you but props. We'll give you yeah, props. We'll give you props. We'll give you props. He asked, um, "Do we think Suicide Squad's numbers, like at the box office, will be affected by?" Uh, Batman v Superman not doing so critically well. I personally think a little tiny bit, but they've been sold to two different completely markets. Suicide Squad's going to be way more adult oriented. It's going to get that nice, like, older PG-13 crowd. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to do that bad. What do you think? What are you talking about? It's a it's a pitch store, an older crowd. I, Batman v Superman was this dark brooding, like, it wasn't like, hey, Here's Justice League Unlimited cartoon, guys. Come see it. No, Batman v Superman was a dark, brooding film. And the same audience is going to go see Batman v Superman that's going to go see Suicide Squad. But what I think is what's going to happen is Suicide Squad is just going to be a better film. And you have the Joker. You're going to have Batman in it. You're going to have some more universe building going on there. So I think the word of mouth is going to be better. So you're not going to have a huge drop off that next weekend. I think... You're going to see the marketing start change for Suicide Squad the closer we get to it. And they're going to pitch it towards a Batman film. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, my God, we're going to Batman film. It's going to be awesome. And then people are going to go to it and they're going to be like, oh, it's sort of a Batman film, but it's also actually a really good film. Then you're going to have that residual value of all that box office gross. Weeks and weeks later, unlike Batman vs. Superman. See, I don't need them to, like, Warner Brothers DC catfish me into a movie. I want to be sold a Suicide Squad movie. Don't give me Batman, and then I get there, and it's not a Batman movie. So I've liked what the marketing has been as, like, as uh, the, the squad, but have we've noticed Batman got into this trailer a little bit more this time. So you might be right, but I also don't see Suicide Squad being on a Doritos, you know, chip bag. I don't see it being marketed to the same exact demographic as batman v superman unless they start seeing the interests keep growing but yeah i don't know it's it's interesting but i don't really think numbers are going to be bothered the general audience the people that watch the big bang theory if you like the big bang mm -hmm. theory i'm sorry i'm gonna insult you but it's a dumb show the sitcom audience of the cbs nbc abc sitcom audience maybe modern family might be out of that a little bit but like that audience is dumb and it's mm -hmm. huge. So they need to be catfished into knowing that like, oh, I'm going to go see a Batman film. And then they're like, oh, look, the Joker. And then like crazy girl, like people talk about Harley Quinn. Like she's the most epic person ever. But the general audience doesn't know who Harley Quinn is. No, they have a really like rough idea that he has this like clown girlfriend. But like they don't know anything about her unless, you know, unless it's my generation that got to see like the Batman animated series where she basically started so that was, you know, unless you saw that, you really don't know. And I hope she gets some. Um, but I like that same audience that's Batman v Superman. I mean, uh, that's that Big Bang audience. Would you say that's the same people who watch Marvel movies? Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> just to be a little shady, but that's how I feel about those movies. I think they're going to forever just be watched and viewed by the mass audience because people don't know better. 
Well, they're a popcorn flick. Studios have to dumb them down to a certain extent because they have to hit this huge demographic. They have to hit uh, a nine-year-old kid, and then they have to hit the 65-year-old dude who's been reading comic books his whole entire life, who actually... Absolutely. But I also use the film Shrek as a great example of hitting a wide audience, but doing it successfully because I remember going to see Shrek in the theater Mm-hmm. and there were some kids next to me in the theater, jokes would come out. When I wouldn't laugh, the eight-year-old kids would laugh. But when yeah. I would laugh, the eight-year-old kids were going like, what is he laughing at? So there was two sets of jokes aimed to hit everybody so that there was stuff for everybody to enjoy, and that's what I think the Marvel films do. No, I agree with you completely, and I, I'm just kind of excited to see if, we get a turnabout with uh, if this this bat this audience that hated Batman v Superman if they're gonna still like what they're being sold with Suicide Squad I mean like something else it's gonna be interesting uh, this whole debate is crazy between Marvel and DC and only things like this and unfortunately I kind of brought this on us but this is only gonna get crazier as the movies come out wait till Civil War next week yeah I mean we got Civil War next week you got Star Wars coming yeah wait till a Star Wars movie kind of like flops we're still in post honeymoon of force awakens oh. and oh, yeah. i'm kind of afraid to watch it on dvd and blu-ray because i'm like i might wake up from my honeymoon and realize it's an ugly girl i've slept with uh no and i had the complete exact reaction uh the the exact opposite reaction i saw star wars the first time and did not like it i just watched it at home and just I, I loved it so much more to see all the little smaller details. So hopefully you have the same reaction where you wake up this time and it's, it's an even prettier girl than last week. I even find justifications for liking the prequels and those movies are horrible. I was like, there's a little thing in here that I really like. And The Force well, Awakens is an amazing film. And we're going on a really wicked long tangent on this one question from Zachary. So this is pretty <laughs> awesome. Yes, he, he got our minds racing about so many different movies, but still core thing suicide squad numbers are not going to be bothered by batman v superman same reason why no one was bothered by like we'll bring it back with force awakens that prequel did not hurt what this interest for force awakens so i don't think anything bad like batman v superman is going to hurt suicide squad yeah it's only the well actually it's only i was going to be only the second time batman and joker have fought on the big screen but no it's the third time now but still it's the Joker, and you hardly mm-hmm. get a chance to see him, and it's going to be an. It could be Oscar-winning performance by Jared Leto because he's done that before. Oh, well, this whole cast is like Oscar bait. We have Will Smith, Viola Davis, Jared Leto. There's a there's a good cast, and I think that's helping this film far more than anything else. The sci-fi film or genre doesn't fare well at the Oscars. So th- this might not even get a new look uh, or look come Oscar time. Yeah, but we said that with the Dark Knight and look how Heath Ledger walked away with an Oscar for a comic book performance. Never been done. Awesome. So, you know, I that's why I have faith in this. I think this is a far different movie than anything else. But let's see if we get another question this crazy next week. Well, how are people going to contact us? Um, you guys can tweet us, comment on the podcast, send us an email at matt at poxaxiom.com. So there's a bunch of different ways to reach us. So get us another question that gets our mind racing this crazy. So I guess it's time to actually start our podcast. Let's do this. Okay, party people in the house. Game of Thrones, The Red Woman, Season 6 is upon us. So many things happened at the end of Season 5. Where are we now? What do you think of the episode? Who came back? Who's alive? Who's dead? Oh my God. So much expectation. So much hype. And then I was kind of like, oh, and it's over. EJ, what do you think of the episode? Well, any viewers out there, raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Game of Thrones. Personally victimized? I am always just assaulted by what they do. If it's not killing off a favorite character or turning your episode into a... Um, the movie Cocoon with this crazy ending that we'll get into. I just, I'm always just assaulted by what these writers and the creators of Game of Thrones do by just continuing to throw us some craziness. And even look at what happened with you. You didn't like it so much. And that's still crazy that like, after all of what they did, 
they could not, I mean, live up to their expectations from last time. Well, it was a very typical Game of Thrones episode. Yeah. So, somebody died and there was a gratuitous boob shot. That turned into a disgusting boob shot. Uh, what what a as someone who loves shock art and things to offend people and bother them what a great way to just because that show is known for the boobs so you they kind of held off there wasn't a lot of nudity this episode and then you get this big reveal and then it's like okay hot boobs take the necklace off and you're like okay not so hot of boobs and then you get 200 year old full frontal old lady badge i i'm not gonna you're being very kind 200 <laughs> i'm gonna say that was that was a, that was the late 500 <laughs> that was that was a rough old badge which hey you know if if that's what you look like you were born that way and you're beautiful but that was that was rough i'm very very interested to see if we get to see more of that real version of uh, melisandria well one there's now there's this power of the of the collar, you know, mm-hmm. the jeweled collar. So I'm like, okay, we have a superpower now or some power. Like, what does this mean? Like, because Jon Snow is is definitely dead. He's dead. Yeah, that's confirmed. Done. How, how long is he going to stay dead? Is another story. What's going to happen? How are they going to bring him back? That's going to be a big storyline. It's probably going to drag out the whole entire season. Oh yeah, they're. Uh, it, it, they would be cool to just not pay it off within an episode. That's why I'm glad they started this off with like basically like, look, Jon Snow's dead, confirming no more speculation done. But here's new speculation. Here's new, you know, it's no longer like you said, is is he dead? It's is he staying dead? So it's going to be interesting. And th- please drag it out as long as we can. Well, they have to do something with the body or he's going to become a White Walker. I I'm into that. Um because that's going to be an interesting twist of still what we're having with the White Walkers and to throw Jon Snow, especially after having that whole past with them uh, before he passed. It's going to be interesting. It's uh, I, I, I like the White Walker route, but I think he's going to come back kind of zombified because didn't the mountain come back with for Queen Cersei? And he's kind of zombie-ish. Right, but he's not a White Walker zombie. Like- yeah, so, so that's interesting that they've still opened up to different versions of bringing someone back from the dead yeah it's gonna be well no i mean yeah because then you had um khaleesi she got burned alive and she came back so there's three different ways of coming back from the dead and they still did not bring back that little burned girl (laughs) everyone else could come back but last season we still burned a girl at the stake that Uh, that was the biggest issue with this this episode is i watched the end the finale of last season right before and i forgot how insane that episode was mm-hmm. the the two episodes before that were crazy you know like because that's the one where she got burned at the stake and then the next one was that season finale that feels like three episodes in one because it's so dramatic so yeah we we talked about it a little bit last night in the powwow but it was going to be hard to live up to how ridiculous last season's finale was so I think they did an okay job, but you didn't think they did. No, I just, I guess I wanted more, and I guess that makes it a good episode that I'm like, oh, I really wish episode two was here because I would continue the story and keep watching it. They just didn't give, they, I wanted more, and they, they gave me little tidbits and caught me up on where everybody was, and there was a few stories where I'm like, oh, they could have, Skip this. Skip this and... Give you the Hordor that you wanted. You wanted yeah, Hordor I, well, number one, Yeah, I, I don't know. I still know where they are. Uh, the little yeah. blind Stark girl. Like, we could have had that next episode. They could have had more with Jon Snow or given more. But it was then... It had a solid reveal at the end, but I was like, we know she's a witch. I really don't care that her body transforms. I don't. She's a witch. I already know she has powers. Yeah, yeah. That, it was a twist as of like, wow, look how shocking. But once it weared off, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I've kind of expected that. Yeah, I, I think we could have stopped the whole island of the evil Kardashian sisters or wherever that is. I can't think of all the, the, the girls with the, the island with the crazy girls that ended up killing uh, Cersei's daughter. That whole island I don't need any more of. I don't care about the rebellion. I don't think they have any like weight on to getting the uh, the Iron Throne at the end of the, the show. They're they're just kind of filler. And this episode didn't need filler. The show doesn't need filler. There's enough going on. 
the three girls, the three assassins, I love them. They can Yeah, they're cool, but they need to either hurry up and leave that place or just do something because they're kind of getting wasted. Well, Cersei, mm. there's going to be a battle that way. Uh, yeah, Cersei's going to come back. She was pretty calm this episode. She got back in her... Uh, boyfriend lover brother guy you know came back with nothing but a dead body she was relatively calm this time so i'm kind of i'm kind of scared to see what she's gonna come back and do now that she's had time to fester on more of her more of her anger with hbo now right after the game of thrones they kind of explain the different plot points the, Mm -hmm. the filmmakers and the filmmakers were like oh she's kind of humbled right now and still taken back from what happened Mm-mm. And I'm like, I don't want that. That's not who I want. I want I want a Cersei that's like, listen, you messed with me. I'm going to destroy you. Like, that's the character. I, like, she is evil. And she and needs she to. She is. They're trying to dupe you. She's plotting the biggest revenge she can. She's going to smile and bite her tongue as long as she can until she tastes blood. She's going to come back with a fiery vengeance. So let her be this quote unquote humble Cersei now. Because it's not going to last. If her son dies, does that make Jamie the king? Mm, I don't. I actually don't know how that works. Because why doesn't she ever get the full, you know, the the full thing? A lot of the other like lands there let the women just run it. Why does she need a king? Why can't once the if her son dies, she takes over? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know the hierarchy of the Game of Thrones family. I, I try to read the books, but it's like reading a Lord of the Rings. I just there's so much and so much to. I need like a notebook while I'm reading and watching the show just to make sure I know what's going on because it's a little hard to follow. But yeah, I'm interested to see if what's going to happen because their family's almost done. The Starks are all almost done. I think we have two Starks left. Three. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, no, there's there's three Starks. No, well, if you call it Jon Snow, he's dead. So you got Sansa. Yeah, Sansa. And then you got the little blind Stark. <laughs> little blind Stark. <laughs> Poor Arya. She's just a little blind. Little blind Stark. Little blind and I was Stark. like, because then I'm like, oh, they're going Daredevil on us. I'm like, I don't want to see this. Well, I don't know. Making her cooler and more badass, I'm always here for. She was already badass. She just but- needed to be in a set. Like, she needs to figure out how to take over the faceless nation and just rule it with anger. And then she could just be like, Oh, we're going to take over everything because we're spies and, and we have attitude. No. And she, she's a perfect part of that and she will be there. But I guess she did kind of do some crazy shit last season. So she's going to have to like pay for it. No, that was the season finale too, man. She just like kept slicing dicing that dude. And that was, that was revenge that like took five years to come to fruition. It was, it was amazing. And I love when that dude was, Again, there, there was that dude was like whipping her in the mm-hmm. you know pros, the child prostitute ring, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm not phasing you." Then he gives her the gut punch. Man, the gut punch is the worst. Yeah, especially <sighs> to like a kid. <laughs> and then she double stabs him in the eye. Oh, it just keeps just keeps bah bah bah. Oh, it was her revenge scene was brutal. Yeah, and and well deserved and. Some, especially for her being such a young actress, to, to be able to do something so graphic and look like she's having a good time doing it. So many props to her. I love Maisie Williams so much. I mean, I like her and I like her character. But I, once they blinded her, I was like, oh, come on, there's so much more you could do with this her character. Well, they're just trying to like give us like little halts and like little pauses to like before we get to the badass stuff. It's how I feel on The Flash that we already know Barry and Iris are going to get together. Get them together. Stop throwing things in the way. Same thing with this. We know she's going to be this badass assassin. Just let me see the badass assassin already. Keep that Iris Barry thing like that. That's going to be a subject for another podcast because I, I, I have I have strong feelings about that. I don't want to talk about it now because I want to keep on keep on point here. But like we need to talk about that because that's that brings up lazy writing and oh, that, that I will I will bring it back to Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones has a limited amount of time on television. Whether it's two more seasons, whether it's shortened two more seasons, or or they keep it going from there, they don't know. They know there's an ending coming, and for me, stuff like this is lazy writing. Where you're like, oh, we have to take a pause, we have to build up this, we have to, you know. It's like, no, 
write really good stuff that just keeps wowing you time and time again. Like build up those stories, have good conversations, all that stuff. And just don't hold back. Yeah, I said it earlier. This isn't the show for filler and to kind of just pass the time each episode, especially now that this episode was shortened on top of a shortened season. Give me the most of what you can at one time. And they're kind of just like going at like a like a light pace as opposed to just run. Start running now. Yeah, definitely run. Get me some Hodor and Bran Stark. Let me know next, what's going on with those guys. You'll get them next episode. I think that's going to I think they're going to have to fill up a lot of time, which is why maybe it's a good thing they weren't in this first episode so they can actually get the time to shine because I don't think Peter Dinklage had the time. His Tyrion character was in this episode nothing basically. And he could have that could have happened to Hordor and Bran if they just were in that episode. So maybe it's good that they weren't. But for me like what I'm super I like the drama, the the um Political drama, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Give me dragons. Give me wars. Mm-hmm. Give me magic. And I'm not getting enough magic. Well, the, the show is just, it. it's slowly trying to get more into magic, and it needs to just jump already. Maybe that's what this whole Red Woman twist is going to like end up being, is our introduction to full magic. Because right before that, uh, whatever guy she's always with was like, I know the power of her magic, you know, it's strong. And then that's when we see the big twist. You know, I think magic's going to probably play a big part of the season because that's what's going to have to bring Jon Snow back. What's your excitement level for this Sunday? This episode was a full on nine ten. It's slowly gone down, which is kind of bad. It's at an eight of excitement. I'm still excited. But, you know, the the first episode wasn't this amazing craziness that needed to hold me over to second one. So, yeah, I'm just kind of averagely excited. What about you? I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. I, I need some solid information about Jon Snow to come out in this issue or th- this episode. We're not talking comic books, but <laughs> I, I need some solid Jon Snow information to come out. I need to know what's going on with Bran Stark. I need to, cause that's, an, I feel, feel like that's another side of the coin that's going to deal with the whole White Walkers thing. Yeah. So I really want to I want to stay in that realm. I want to I want to see the battle between the Night's Watch and the Savages. Like I want to see that battle as they come to save Jon Snow's body. Like mm-hmm. that that could that could be seen. Oh, I can't wait to Samwell finds out about um that's his name, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if I was like going to like Lord of the Rings with Sam Wise. I'm like, wait, here's Sam Well. Anyways, so wait till he finds out Jon Snow's dead. I think that's gonna be a great character turn for him for him. Is cause he's gonna get pissed. And we've never seen him as angry as I think he's going to get. See, we need Sam to get to the library and find the information. Yeah, I, there's hidden I information there. Like, don't have him come back. Have him go to the library. Get find some information, read some shit, and be like, "Oh, I know how to fix everything." And then they'll kill him. Like as soon as, like, as, soon as he knows, I know how to fix everything, and it's like arrow, arrow to the heart. Ah, yeah, we almost fixed the world. Keanu comes out this week. Key and Peele's first full feature film, big budget, not really fifteen million dollars, but we're on big screen and. EJ and I went to the press screening. There wasn't a lot of people there because it was like last minute on a Thursday. But I definitely laughed my ass off. EJ, what do you think of Keanu? Well, first, let me just take this a step back. It's so sad as a filmmaker that you're like $15 million, not a big budget. I know in the grand scheme of, you know, the grand scheme of filmmaking, it's not. But I'm just like, give me $1 million and I can make a really good movie. But yeah, uh, no. And to go back to Keanu, I... Loved it. They used all of that fifteen million to the fullest they could. It's it was great. It's filmed amazing. The 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 comedy's at the best it can be. The action was pretty good. And that was a, my biggest uh my biggest like compliment was that they never sacrificed badass brutal gore action for a laugh. They mixed it very well. They never paused for a joke. Jokes came, and I think that's something KMP do it very well. I was looking at films to compare it to. Last year, there was Get Hard with Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell. So that has a built-in audience, but it's kind of the same feel. Mm -hmm. Then Let's Be Cops the year before 
And those films both made in the 80 to $90 million range. Because it's very interesting to see or for me to speculate on how well Keanu will do. Because Get Hard was filmed like a comedy mm-hmm. and felt like a comedy the whole time. Was obnoxious. But it still had that, I call it the urban, the urban environment kind of thing, comedy. Which, yeah. which I don't even know what that genre would be called. Because it... But Let's Be Cops was another one where it was kind of an action movie, but a but also a really good comedy film. I really enjoyed Let's Be Cops. I thought that was really good. Get Hard has some funny moments. There, it it it's, has those comedic, laughable moments in it. But what really impressed me about Keanu, and, and you said this yourself, is how well the film was shot film-wise. Oh, it, it looked like a really like mature drama, which I, it's a lot of p- things people don't notice, but like you like comedy and drama different. You film like cinematography wise, comedy and drama different. And Keanu was very smart for handling like, like an intense drama with throwing comedic like elements on screen. So it was, it was a very good juxtaposition. I'm kind of happy to see something like that. Cause I think later this year, we're getting that CIA movie with the rock and Kevin Hart and it's going to be filmed like a comedy. It's going to have stupid comedy. And it's going to have that same like urban demographic that Keanu or Get Hard got. But it's not going to be as smart or as good as Keanu. And I think Keanu is going to get overpassed until it gets on something like Netflix. Where people can see it and be like, holy shit, guys. Like, why did we not see this in theaters? Yeah, CIA with, with The Rock and Kevin Hart. That, that's probably going to make a shit ton of money. But I don't think it's going to be as good as Keanu. It, it's like you said, it's going to be this kind of faux, you know, it, yeah, it, it looks like a comedy. There's, a, you know, the rock in a fat suit. It's pro, it's just a very stereotypical comedy film, you know, and because yeah. now we're getting like, like there's the tropes in horror, there's the tropes in comedy. And- yeah. And that was a big thing. Keanu skipped all of them, dude. Keanu just, I, can, I don't think I can praise the movie enough for being so inventive for a comedy movie and I don't I don't nothing to put down comedy movies but like you said there's tropes and there's things pitfalls that we fall into and it skipped all of them no it's it's just a feel it's one of those things and I try to explain it to my wife when we're watching tv I can't stand watching an NBC produced show anymore because the way they film Mm -hmm. I, I ABC has a little bit better production value and CBS does a, it does a good job, but there's something aesthetically with the way NBC films their shows. Whether it maybe they use way too many backlot shots or, or or stages that they've built, but it just it just feels fake to me. And that's what comedies feel like when you're mm-hmm. when you're watching them. Well, and then especially when you kind of go through the same. Because um, I'm a big writer, so that you go through the same films, the the same script structure. This movie skipped the whole uh, Key and Peele. I swore we're gonna like butt heads, fight, weren't gonna talk for a good twenty minutes of the movie and come back. Every comedy movie does it. They didn't do it in this movie. They like kind of weren't on the same page, but it never stopped and took a break for it. It never had a like a ridiculously happy ending. You know, I'm not gonna say anything about it, but it it wasn't this textbook comedy thing and i was really really happy with it and i think that's because i I don't go out and watch comedy movies like i don't go out and watch like an nbc comedy like you were saying i'll go to something like modern family that looks aesthetically way different and keanu was that way different comedy we did have this conversation yesterday when we were discussing the podcast that keanu i don't want to slight the film because i really enjoyed it but we figured a way to make the film an amazing film because the main villain in it, Cheddar, is played by Method Man. And Method Man is not a very good actor. No, he, he's a decent like rapper-turned-actor, quote-unquote actor. But no, he, they needed someone stronger. If they went with Michael Kenneth Williams, Omar from The Wire, this film would have exponentially been amazing because... They needed somebody really hardcore mm-hmm. to be that villain. And Method Man just is kind of shallow, so it's definitely a Key and Peele show 
with characters around it. The 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 side characters were done really well, but they were kind of no name actors and every that. But the you needed a you needed a really go to antagonist, and it just didn't work. No, and yeah, definitely Omar from The Wire because he he's funny as well. So it's not like he would have been this this awkward straight man that didn't fit into the movie. He would have brought such great funny like like kind of tweaks to it, but still been that that character he's known for. Yeah, I think my other choice would have been a character like Idris Elba or like a guy like Idris Elba. He's too big for it now. You know, he he's on to his bigger things, being a Star Trek villain in a movie that nobody cares about. Whoa, but, whoa, come on. Oh, they do. They did a whole thing for whatever studio that was. And they they just like over oh, like, oh, by the way, we have a Star Trek movie coming out. I, I didn't mind the the last one that came out with uh, Cumberbatch, but this one's got no no hype to it. And then I'm like, but Idris, you were too busy for to do something like this, really. But no, uh, so yeah, I know we'll get into a Star Trek rant another day. See, this is what the Common Core education does. It makes makes you a non Star Trek fan. <laughs> Did you have to go to the Common Core? Are you young, that young? No, no, no. I no, I actually learned real math. I. Four plus four is four. I don't need to like take a two out, throw a three in, but it's actually now a nine. Yeah, no, I I learned I learned real math. I my brain always gets fried when I when I see that hat go through on Facebook. I'm like, is this a real question that somebody that a teacher asked? So what did the one I saw? It's like the question is like, how does eight plus five equal ten? And the kid's like, it doesn't. And the teacher's like, yes, it does. First, you have to take away three, and then you have blah blah. blah. And like, I was like, why? Why are we? Why are we teaching the nation how to be cash register, uh, assist That's, people? I don't register. What are the, what are those people called again? A cashier. A cashier. Wow, that was the most like, like upper class white thing you've you've ever said. What are those people that take my money at the store? I don't know cash people. I've bartended forever. <laughs> I know how to count up and down, left and right, and sideways. I guess left and right is sideways. Oh, but you paid attention to math, but not English, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts on Keanu? Uh, I, I actually can't wait to see it again. I think most comedies don't have a lot of like replay value for me. Um, but I really hope this is this year's Bridesmaids or this year's Hangover where it's that comedy movie that no one really expected to be the shit, and it is the shit. So, yeah, I, re- I really like it. I, I want to see it again. I didn't know it was going to be a George Michael homage film. Oh, my God. It was so – I was trying to think about that. I was like, how do you – they must be stoners or, or they must do something. You got, you got to be on a different plane where you're like, okay, you're laying out all the cards of, of musicians – you're like, okay, do we do we do you like Elton John? Do you like George Michaels? I'm trying to think of, you know, what other bands would fit in that realm of like, okay, what are the, what are the super what's the super whitiest eighties music we can come up with? Well, and, yeah, it's like people like Journey and but Journey only has like one song. But yeah, so George Michael was a f- great pick for like an average uppity white kind of like singer, but it's so random. That was so good. And that 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 uh the stoner sequence in there. Uh. Oh, yes. People, I can't wait to you guys to see. I talk about it a little bit in the review where they kind of like recreate a George Michael video. It's genius. It, it's one of I the most cynical critic in that movie laughed. And I and I loved it. And I love that it brought a lot, a lot of laughter that I wasn't expecting. I think I even got a snort out of myself. That's how yeah. I, that's how I know it was really funny is when, when I when I laugh and then I get that uh, that uh, that you get to a second level of laugh and then you snort and that that's that's a laugh. Oh, but hold on. We didn't talk about Keanu the cat and how adorable he was and how everyone was so in love and said all a hundred times throughout the movie. My friend Tony, who saw the movie with me, he was like, I thought Keanu would be in the movie more. They, they needed more cat action, maybe in the sequel. Yeah, yeah, I, I need a sequel where it's like through Keanu's perspective, like Baby's Day Out, but it's just Keanu just like going around the town. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see how this film does at the box office. Again, I said it made $15 million, or it, it cost $15 million to make. Other films like it in this genre have made around 80 If the film makes 45 the studio is going to be excited. If it makes 30 I think they'll be okay, but... If it gets into the upper echelon of comedy, and this is where I'm not sure, this is where I, I gauge 
the American audience or national audience or international audience of like how highbrow or lowbrow or in between brow their humor is and acceptance mm -hmm. of comedy. So if this does well, I'm excited and I have hope in humanity. If it flops, then I'm like, oh, I guess it's time for a zombie apocalypse. No, and I don't think we're going to need a zombie apocalypse. I don't think it's going to do that bad. But I, I think it's going to make a, a solid 30, 45. And, but Key and Peele do have a big following. So I think that's going to help them a lot as well. Now it is time for our wild card segment. Next Tuesday, EJ and I are going to see Civil War, Captain America Civil War. This, this film... I think there's 14, 15, 16 heroes going to duke it out in the MCU and it's going to revolutionize and evolutionize the whole entire Marvel Cinematic Universe leading up into Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and 2, the billion dollar budget project. But right now we kind of want to talk about our expectations going into the film. And since EJ hates the MCU, this is going to be a good discussion. Yeah, I'm a I'm a vocal, passionate hater of it, and it's not one of these like Batman v Superman. Like, well, uh, it's it's they've I've had years to not like these movies, so I think my hate is well earned. I've never been a fan of Tony Stark. I've never been a fan of how they have handled a character like Black Widow, who needs to be way better, like have way better scenes. So yeah, I've always had little bits and pieces that I don't like. But I like the Captain America movies because I think, once again, we got to see Black Widow be the best Black Widow she can. Captain America, Chris uh, Evans, handles the movie very well by himself. He doesn't need Tony Stark eating up and Robert Downey Jr. eating up every bit of screen time. So uh, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to be like face-to-face -face facing off because that's kind of what I've always looked at these movies anyway. This next little tidbit I'm going to give you is probably going to really anger you. I posted a, a video from uh, ABC Dateline where they kind of went behind the scenes and talked to all the actors. And that's where Tony Stark said that, not Tony Stark, Robert Jr. said that he's up for a fourth Iron Man film. But listening to the other actors in there, they were talking about Robert Downey Jr. And what he does is he plays a scene, he does a scene, and then he rewrites the scene and does it over again. Ugh. And everybody's like, he makes it better. He makes it better. I'm a Robert Downey Jr. fan. I love the guy. I, I, I've, I've been relatively up close and personal with the gentleman. We've never had a conversation, but I've been right there at Comic-Con, you know, 10 feet apart, watching him do what he does. And I've stood next to his wife and watched, him, watched her watch him go into Tony Stark mode. And mm -hmm. I, I love that relationship that he has with his wife. He, awesome. he, he's gone through so many transformations. He's, I mean, the, I, th I think it's him. Yeah, that's the Tony. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. The, is the dude that went to his neighbor's house and fell asleep in their kid's bed because he was all coked out or crazed out. So if you can go from, you know, <laughs> going, going on a bender, almost bad shit crazy, sleeping in your neighbor's kid's bed to now becoming Tony Stark and the highest paid actor in Hollywood that it's a, it's a very amazing run and i i think i i like to think that he appreciates what he has and what he's accomplished because he does so many different fundraisers and gives us so many different places and organizations he's he's very philanthropic i so there's a lot of respect for what he does and i think at this point in time he's kind of just having fun with the character so i i would love to see more of him no, and I think um, when he – you called it Tony Stark mode, and I, I like him because I loved him in like films like Zodiac, and he was in that movie Charlie Bartlett where he played like a crazy uh, principal. You know, I loved him in Less Than Zero. He's a great actor. I just don't like Tony Stark. I don't like when he's in Tony Stark mode, but at least he loves the fans. He is so passionate about making everyone so happy that he is a living, breathing Tony Stark, and it makes me happy as someone who loves – people who love the people uh i know that was like a big sentence there but uh yeah i i i love that about him i just hate the character and i like that uh the mcu characters are starting to hate tony stark so that's why i'm starting to like the movies more because then he's kind of becoming a villain and i'm like this is how i've always viewed him 
he's a douchebag. He doesn't have this brooding side that Batman has that I think balances him out as a full-on character. He's that party boy, billionaire, philanthropist all the time. And now that people are starting to see through with like all the characters, I like that. And I think that's going to keep me into Civil War way more. And Spider-Man. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I think most people who like comic books at least enjoy one story, one arc, one television show, one movie of Spider-Man. And it's going to be awesome to see him in the MCU. And from what we've seen in the, the little sneak peeks, he's pretty cool. So you don't like bros, is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah. I'm not a bro fan as like a somewhat effeminate gay man. Bro culture just blows my mind. But I'm also a huge wrestling fan. So I've dealt with it. But I just, yeah, I don't like bros. So that's why I'm not even a Thor fan. Other than he's beautiful to look at, I just, I don't care about him. I liked Loki more. I thought Loki had more to tell than Thor did. Um, so yeah, I, I like I like nerds. That's why I like Bruce Banner. Um, or I like a badass female. That's why I like uh, Scarlet Witch. Or, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I like Scarlet Witch and I like Black Widow. And Tony doesn't fall into any of that. And Spider-Man now he's throwing, he's super nerdy but kind of sarcastic. So I relate to that as well. For me, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., kind of like that alpha male mm-hmm. character, has all the money, gets all the women, very smart. Everybody forgets that part. He's kind of oh, a smart, he's- smart guy and built the built the suit himself. So he's 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 got some gravitas to him. So I I can kind of relate to that character. I'm, I'm, you know, I I like it. I he's like. Not it. even the smartest person in Marvel, though. Come on, the Victor Von Doom is going to outschool Tony Stark on anything. So yeah, that's why I like him, but he's, I know, I know. There's two different things between Marvel comics and then the Marvel cinematic universe. Currently the Marvel cinematic universe doesn't own the rights to Dr. Doom. So that is a battle that we would not see yet. But uh, but I'm talking in like a comic book sense too, like trying to mix both worlds. Cause, but uh, you know, cause I, I like the, I like comics a lot, but I am also a big movie fan, so it is hard to like separate them. <laughs> I'm excited for Spider Man. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I I like the sound of the character. I like the look of the character. Am I gonna like how they handle the character? Probably not, because he's a little kid already hanging out with Tony Stark, and that it just uh, just that irks me that Tony Stark made the suit and all this stuff. But I know that the MCU is a little bit more. Grounded in reality, yeah. There's a whole bunch of superheroes running around, which really, you know, like oh, we're it's, it's kind of like you championing the WWE and then making fun of Star Wars right afterwards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll never let me live that down. And I wasn't making fun of Star Wars; I was just pointing out how ridiculous it is, with ignoring how ridiculous WWE is. I'm interested to see how they're going to handle the Black Panther and the whole city of Wakanda and how and he's been put to the back burner. And he was a character. I'm, I love him. I love the whole arc where he was uh, in the comics where he was married to storm. I love that whole character. And I was really excited to see him adapted. And then Spider-Man came into the picture and kind of pushed everyone else to the back. And that's my only problem. That's how I feel about like a Joker being in suicide squad is now all the characters are going to get outshined because there's something the fans love more. And now we're not going to get to see a Black Panther, or at least get the the massive praise I think Black Panther should get, because everyone's just going to be talking about Spider Man, who's in it for like thirty minutes probably. No, it's uh, exactly thirty minutes. I think is what he's in the film for. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a long film. It's it's gonna they're gonna have so much stuff going on. It's running one hundred and forty seven minutes at this current time. Is what- My fear is it's going to be one hundred and twenty minutes of just straight fighting. And I know that's what a lot of people want from these movies, but I like think pieces. I, I want to, I hope it has a little bit more of a uh, little bit more story. Cause that's something like I always go back to winter soldier. Cause it's probably my favorite MCU movie ever. Um, it, that had such good story, but had great action sequences. So I hope this civil war can kind of keep that and not just be a huge long fight scene. No, it's not it, because you have to have, you have to build up civil war. You mm-hmm. can't you can't do that with a fight. I mean, you can. But see, but Marvel's not really known for building things very well. Are, are you ridiculous right now? Oh, but okay, within a within one movie sense, uh, Avengers that first movie, nothing was built nicely. They had the the Loki villain, and then we had this villain, and then we had that. It's 
I don't think they handle well within a movie. Within the overarching sense, they they are amazing. They've hinted at things that they'd pay off in another movie, 35 movies down the line. I think that's awesome. But within movies, I don't trust them enough. And that's my, I think my fear with Civil War is I'm glad it's a little longer because we do need to build a better story within that thing, within that one film. I was looking to see what the Russo brothers have done. The, the directors, they, they did Captain America Civil War. They did the show Community. They're like really big directors for that. And I loved that show. Right, no, I'm, I'm, okay, they did Arrest and Development, they did Community, and then they, then they jump right into Captain America Civil War. That's, Marvel does a really good job of, like, finding directors in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they did it with Scott Derrickson, who did Sinister, and then they're like, oh yeah, now you're getting Doctor Strange, have fun. Except for Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon's like the only, like, established director that they've really used, but Was he then established? Oh, uh, well, he was big in the 90s for Buffy and But Firefly. that's a TV show. But Yeah, and he's never really been a film director, but look how quickly he jumped right out of movies. He did those first two and was like, yeah, I'm done again. Um, so, yeah, but we didn't have a name. Scott Derrickson, uh, the Russo brothers really don't have a name, but Marvel as a company likes to run that, – that studio likes to run the movies far more than they let directors run. So if you get a young director, you can walk all over them as a studio because they have no pull. Where you get a guy like a Josh Whedon, and he's like, that's cool. You guys can try to do what you want, but I'm still going to do it. Look what we got with Age of Ultron, where he's like, okay, I'll do all the shit you want, but I want this farm scene. And he got the farm scene. They're not going to pull that with the Russo brothers. You know, Russo brothers are going to do whatever Marvel says. No, they're not. Because I... they, they, they already made Captain America's uh, Winter Soldier. So they've already established what they're going to do. Now they have the next one. Yeah. Marvel knows that they have them. So now Marvel can be like, here's what we want. You guys get... But this is what I'm saying. As like a director, Marvel scares me. That studio runs it far more than what one director can. Where on the DC side, Patty Jenkins, who um, did Monster, has full control of Wonder Woman. Yes, there's still universe building, but she's making her own pieces, which is why she left Marvel. She was supposed to do a Thor movie. And hated how that studio was running it, and then was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, now I'm getting Wonder Woman, so I'm happy anyway." No, so there, not- there, there is a track record of directors leaving after starting a project at Marvel. They're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be part of this." But, but, <laughs> I, I think the Russo brothers do things better than other directors do. Again, oh. again, I'll go back to that that little ABC Nightline piece that I saw, they did a lot of effects outside because they wanted natural lighting for the giant jump scenes and the giant... Everything that was outside, they have... Like, I wa- you can watch the video. I, I think it's Captain America or Winter Soldier jumping out of a, a 10-story building and they have wires on them and it's all green screen kind of around them, but it's they have the natural light of jumping out of that building as opposed to, like, faking it. And... Ooh, I- and the, sorry, I just want to finish this one a little bit. And the second part of that, where I was like, I wonder how that guy got his job. Is so you see, you see Winter Soldier jump out of the window with the wires on him, and then there's a cameraman right behind him jumping out of the window holding the camera. What a job! <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like the first time, I was like, wait a second, there's a second guy jumping out after him. I'm like, oh, he's holding a camera. I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. No, and I I totally agree. I think the Russo brothers are the best directors that Marvel has plucked from obscurity to make something. Because I didn't think as two dudes who, like, made episodes of Community, which is one of the most ridiculous, like, self-referencing comedies, then to do the the fight scenes that Winter Soldier had, that one where they use, like, 35 different camera angles for one fight scene, mind-blowing. Did not expect that. So I do do think they're good directors, but they just – they're going to be the people that say yes to whatever Marvel says. That was kind of my main point is like they're the yes men and they know. I don't know how you go from community and then become yes men. Like community is not a yes man, woman, person show. Like yeah, that, that a thing- paycheck though. That's going to make me say yes. I say all of this now. But if Marvel came up to me and said, EJ, we're doing a Black Widow movie. Do you want to direct it? I'm going to sell out and burn every DC comic I have. For a paycheck, and then I'm gonna hate myself on the inside. But no, and no, I, you and won't. I, you oh, have the money. Guess what? <laughs> money does buy happiness. I'm gonna yes, let you a little little secret. 
It does buy happiness. I've been looking for the sellout line for the past 20 years. As soon as I can find it, I'm getting in line and I'm going to sell out. Oh, yeah. I'll tweet the Illuminati once a day. Like, where do I sign up? I will sell my soul to get famous real quick. So, yeah, I, I do agree. But no, I, I just uh, I worry. I've always worried about that as a director of like Marvel movies. And that's kind of my big problem with them. And I think what's going to always keep me from not loving it. But I might just sit there and just drool the whole time watching Civil War because they just blew my mind with how awesome it is. So I'm going to go into it with higher hopes than any of my other Marvel films ever. But I'm still not going to like I still think I'm not going to love it. I'm trying to dampen my baggage that I talk about, my comic book baggage. I'm trying to go in. I'm, I'm definitely going into dark mode for the internet whenever I see anything that says Captain America Civil War on it now because the whole entire world except for the United States has seen this film already. It's going to hit overseas this weekend. There's been tons of reviews. There's been several tons of screenings here in the States. A lot of people have already seen it. So there's a lot of spoilers going on around the web. And we at Monkeys Fighting Robots, we kind of cover the news. So it's these point, these little times frames where it's like, oh, my job is to inform you about the end credit scene at Captain America Civil War, but I haven't seen the film yet. So do I go and write about it? Or do I, as a fan, want to appreciate the film, not read that article, not share it with you guys until I see it so I can have the same experience as you? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I I think it sucks that you're the last critic basically to watch this movie as passionate as you've been and excited. We're seeing it. We're still seeing it earlier than the general public, which is awesome. And I love it, but we're like the last people to see it. So that does suck. But I don't, I think you as a fan and I think fans do appreciate that you're on the same level with them right now. You're having to avoid spoilers just as much where you should be posting spoilers. We should be doing those newsworthy things, but we can't. And I kind of, I kind of like that we we're not in the know because it makes me feel more like a fan again, as opposed to someone who has to write about it and someone who has to like enjoy it not from the inside and enjoy it from the outside. That's why I was really upset that they announced that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Asterisk: Spider-Man: Homecoming is a really dumb title, but no, <laughs> now, now we have, now we know that Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark survives Captain America: Civil War, and that takes. Part, you know, because part of the guessing game is like, oh, what's going to happen? How's it going to go? And I know you're going to be your nonchalant, douchey, anti MCU self, but the movie would have been epic if they killed Tony Stark at the end of it. Oh, I, oh, I, I well, I want that to happen. Every movie, I just cross my fingers that Tony Stark's going to die and that, and I don't want to see him anymore. But, um, God, I, you're such a douche. I know, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, it kind of sucks that that's a big Marvel problem from the get-go. They've always announced all of these things, and then the contract signings have always been this big public news. So we know how many movies people are signed on for. But I think and, you know, this movie could be, I told you from the get-go, I think it could be the, the before this. Tony could still die in this movie, and Spider-Man Homecoming is how he first met Spider-Man. Right, it could be a flashback to where he meets Tony Stark and they kind of introduce things and, so, yeah. and maybe Peter Parker reminisces about dead Tony Stark. So there's still that possibility. But, but since no, so I, many people have seen the movie now, I feel like that spoiler would have gotten out. Yeah, we would have accidentally seen it somewhere. I know I had to avoid the, here's the two end credits scene that someone got and it's like a legal rip. And I'm like, do I want to watch this? Oh, see, like I will watch those if they're watchable. I just won't read them. Like uh, if, I, I, if there's video... I'll watch the video, but I won't read an end credit scene. Okay, okay, I get you, yeah. That's that's so funny how you, you have, like, specific rules for how your spoilers go. Even though I read an end credit scene yesterday. <laughs> I, like, kind of half-watched the, the, like, one of them. And the I'm Spider-Man like, one? Yeah, which, you know, I, I it, it, they were really bad quality, so it wasn't worth. I feel like I don't want to, like, dampen my viewing of it by, like, seeing it like that. But I kind of got the gist of it, and I knew he was going to get one. The other one I really didn't even look at because it probably has to do something MCU. No, I'm not going to get it because I didn't watch the end credit of Thor 2, so I'm not going to get what's happening in this one. Well, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's like two people talking. I just didn't want to get into it, but I just saw the, the Spider-Man one's cool because it's, it's more of setting up that he's going to be an awesome character. Well, the thing is that I read in the story, and that's why I read it, is that this is, there's an overseas teaser and then there's an American teaser. 
Ooh, that's see more stuff like that because I remember. No, no, I did. We didn't. We, we don't need to segregate who sees what. Everybody needs to see, see the same thing at the same exact time, and and there doesn't need to be these delayed reviews and all this. Other, no, it bothers me. I, I I agree with the delayed reviews. I think like it, the the screening should have been worked out a different way. But I loved uh, there's like the ninety movies, the ninety movie Clue that like each theater can get a different ending. I love stuff like that. I wish like we got exclusives for here and some people don't see a certain thing. So it forces you to buy the DVD later. No, if they went, if they did like certain regions, like if they did like New York, California, you know, Southeast, Midwest, whatever had different endings to the film, you would have fools. And I'd probably be one of them flying or driving (laughs) somewhere else to go see Captain America civil war for a 30 second different ending. Next week's show is just going to be all Captain America Civil War. The whole show. That's like we, my greatest nightmare. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about Tony Stark forever. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and we're going to we're probably we're just going to go through the whole entire thing. We're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and then where the MCU is going to go from there. So that show is going to be amazing because I think we're I think it's going to be our best film critique ever because i'm gonna go crazy on this thing because we're gonna have like an hour oh and i I love that we're gonna this is kind of like what we did for batman v superman i know i'm not gonna love it as much as you're gonna love it so it's gonna be very cool to see our yin and yang dynamic of uh breaking down civil war i think this is gonna be one of our next week i'm just so excited for i can't wait to get to it because it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a passionate show do you have any uh any big plans for this weekend as always, I'm just going to wait for whatever crazy show is going to be on Sunday night. Uh, so Game of Thrones this weekend. Can't wait for that. Uh, Monday, I usually watch the show RuPaul's Drag Race. That's getting down to the wire. Can't wait to see who wins that. And then Tuesday, Civil War. I'm, I'm excited for it because I'm excited to talk about it, which is good. This is probably the most excited I've ever been about a Marvel movie. What about you? What Any plans for this weekend? I think I need to start my Megacon diet. Uh, yes. I need, to, I need to get in shape for Megacon. I, I, I think that's going to start at some point in time. I might, I might try to move, move my body a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Uh, I understand. I'm, I'm going to do some more arts and crafts for MegaCon and hopefully not have a glitter incident again. So we'll see. You should get like a glitter. Can, do they have glitter tattoos? Can you get that? Or is it just, you know, that'd be cool if they could make something reflective on your skin that was permanent. Some body modification person probably has it somewhere, somehow. I have to look into that because that sounds interesting. <laughs> Okay, do not get drunk and, and get a glitter tattoo this weekend. That's all I'm asking. Okay, I promise you. Will like not we, see do, me. we maybe we can do it at MegaCon. Like that would be <laughs> awesome. Getting a MegaCon tattoo. Well, they have a whole tattoo row now at these conventions now. Oh, that's awesome. Where they have tattoo artists come down, and I'm always like, "Do you want?" I was. I have to be. I have to be a little bit drunk to get a tattoo. Just a little bit, yeah. But I really want to get a robot tattoo on my forearm from the logo. Yeah. I want to get that. I, I, I'll get a monkey tattoo if you get a robot tattoo. Well, we'll have to. We'll see if this continues to grow. Once monkeys fighting robots gets to if with monkeys fighting robots hits a million visitors in one month, I will get the tattoo. That's definitely it's that that means that we're here. We're up there with all the big guys, and it's kind of like monkeys fighting robots is going to be here for a very long time if we get to that that point in time. Not that monkeys fighting robots is going anywhere, but if we got to a million visitors in one month. That means that we're the shit, and I have to get a tattoo at that point in time. Good. Let's let's hold the fans hostage, guys. If you guys can keep sharing and talking about monkey fighting robots, you can get Matt to get a monkey fighting robot tattoo. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think we should. Uh, I think we should do that. Yes, definitely Facebook post. You know, if monkeys <laughs> fighting robots hits one million visitors, Matt gets a tattoo. That could be how we get Facebook likes. I, uh, <laughs> that's how it works nowadays. If it works, one click equals one prayer. We can do it for tattoos. <laughs> EJ, as always, always a pleasure to talk to you, talk the pop culture, all that fun stuff. You have a great weekend. Thank you. You have a great weekend as well, my friend. Take care. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. 
If you have a chance, we will greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All you Android users out there, listen to the show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made this 72nd episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host EJ Marino for putting up with me. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? Find out at Megacon 2016. The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.